All right, and welcome. Did Shane pop out? He did. Ah! No, he's gone. He, he, you know what he did? What? You, you know, so when I hit the record button, because we are on Zoom, we are doing this virtually um, this week and most weeks. So what happens is when you click the, the record button, yeah. right? You click the record button, and then what happens is you have you have the ability to confirm or deny if you accept the recording. And he said deny. And he said deny by accident. <laughs> what a start to the episode. So welcome in. It's Robert. It's Brandon. Shane should be popping back in here shortly. How are you doing? I'm good. Good, good. Uh, we got preseason football. We got some, actually, some soccer to start with, but we will um, wait for Shane to hop in or hop back in here as we are getting ready. <laughs> he just wrote, I actually left. Oh, okay. There we go. Yep. We're troubleshooting this. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but here we are. Wait, did you... Okay, did you just click... We're still recording. Did you just click the button to say to leave? No, I was I was typing up an email really fast before we started, and then it, I was just pressed a button, and all of a sudden, I left. <laughs> I don't know what button it was, but... Um, I think you pushed the deny button when we clicked record. <laughs> maybe. Uh, hello, welcome. I'm Shane Hansen. Uh, thank you for tuning in to Hattrick Sports Talk. Um, We've already been, we've already said the intro for like, okay, well, two I had to, I had to introduce myself. So, <laughs> all right, let's get started. Uh, we will start with Messi. This is the biggest news, not only in, I, even in American sports, I would say this is the biggest news, but of course, across the world. Uh, Messi goes to PSG, two years, 41 million. This has been one of the weirdest sagas, maybe in the history of world football. Um, Messi in 2019 wrote a letter to uh, FC Barcelona's board saying that I'm not really happy with the direction of the club. And so they, he was saying, oh, if you guys improve the direction, I'll stay. But if not, I'll leave. Then this year, they signed an extension. He had a four-year, $641 million deal, which we'll get to the absurdity of that contract in a little <laughs> bit. Um he signed a five-year extension with, I think, a 50% pay cut about two months ago to stay with Barcelona. And then, long and behold, last week while I was up in Sacramento, it was just randomly announced that he will actually be leaving the club due to La Liga and UEFA financial fair play rules, as there are many guys on Barcelona who are getting paid obscene amounts of money for no reason. Plus, they are also 500 million pounds in debt, which, or euros in debt, excuse me, which is just absurd for a major yeah, how football does club. Uh, just mismanagement of funds, honestly, but pretty absurd. Clearly. So <laughs> long and behold, this week on... Actually, yeah, the, the, I, I guess this week on Sunday, they had the presser of him in Barcelona. And that was probably the, one of the saddest pressers to see him saying, I actually never wanted to leave. And the fact that I'm leaving now and I built this whole life with my family and personal and professional was so amazing in Barcelona and to have to leave because of this. And he was just so pained because he loved the club. 
I never thought he would leave the club, but long and behold, two years, 41 million with Paris Saint-Germain. And PSG has a ridiculous lineup of Di Maria, Neymar, Mbappe, Messi. They picked up Damaruma. Most of the guys they picked up, they picked up Sergio Ramos as well. Most of the guys they picked up on free transfer, of course, they already had. PSG looks insane, but Shane, let's start first with this. The fact that Messi left is surprising and just insane that it had to come to this. Yeah, you know, and um, I, as you guys know, I went to Barcelona in summer of 2019, uh, which was good timing because it was right before everything went to went to hell in a handbasket. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's even just in the few days I was there, you could really see. I guess the impact that he has on that city or had, I guess, um, you know, his Jersey was being sold at every corner and you, I mean, people were wearing them all over the streets and, you know, the illegal vendors that sell their fake stuff, counterfeit things. That's all they had. Uh, um, you know, this guy was, he really just seemed like a hero to them, you know? And you know, for a city that loves their football so much. So, you know, it's, um, it definitely is, I think, surprising that he is going, uh, just considering all that. But when you think about, you know, the financial situation they're in and just the point of his career that he's at right now, you know, it makes sense in that regard. Um, but I guess from the cultural aspect of it, it's, uh, it's tough to imagine. It really is. But you know, this is, uh, this is where we're at now. So, uh, you know, it'll be fun to see him in Paris, nonetheless. Um, Brandon, what are your thoughts on Messi leaving? Uh, well, I guess if you can't pay, then I don't know. Like, I think soccer is, is kind of ridiculous in terms of it's – the fact that like it's the most unbalanced sport in the world in terms of the fact that the good teams are amazing and the bad teams are so bad and they have really no chance of catching up unlike in unlike in like um the NFL where every team who's bad has a chance of getting a good player and get it like, you know, yeah, it might take a couple years, but I don't know it. I mean, I, I already told you guys what I think about how much money his asking price is and how much money he's making. It's like, damn, I have zero sympathy for your money. Ask like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you're a good player. You're like one of the best players in the world, but geez, please. Yeah, I think he's the greatest of all time. But I mean, I, this is this. I think even with this PSG team, and you and you look at how great this 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 lineup is. Look how great this starting eleven is. And now the expectations are: you win the Champions League, or Mauricio Pochettino's gone, which I think is accurate. Um, but this is not the intention of the financial fair play rules. If this is what the financial fair play rules are, then we have a major problem in world football. La Liga has nothing. The Spanish league, the top Spanish league, La Liga were Messi and Ronaldo were there. Neymar was there with Messi at Barcelona for a time. 
now La Liga doesn't even matter anymore. They're not going to be competitive for a while. I mean, Real Madrid's still good, but let's be honest, Barcelona is going to go in the tank. It's just, it's if this is the intention of the rule, which is basically that clubs can spend as much as they want as long as they don't go over, then how much are clubs making? I mean, PSG this season alone is going to make boatloads of money because of the roster they have. But it creates a massive disadvantage for every club at the bottom. Like not only at the bottom of a lot of clubs, right? But a like I'm not I'm not talking <laughs> about just in just in France, which is bad enough. But Spain is going to again not be interesting. Manchester City has done ridiculous in the transfer window, bringing in Jack Grealish, potentially bringing in Harry Kane. Like they're going to be an ultimate team too here in a couple of weeks, and we just started the Premier League the Premier League season today. Like. This should not be the intention of the financial flavor payrolls. It's, I, I think it needs to be revamped significantly because, I mean, we've already gone through a year and a half of clubs hemorrhaging money because of the pandemic. I mean, think of all the bottom clubs. And then on top of that, you got to deal with these teams that are just significantly unfair and don't make the sport interesting. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of uh, the Yankees. How oh yeah, like they, in the early 2010s, kind of. Yeah, how they were, they were a really good team. A Rod, uh, Jeter, obviously, but then there was also like CC Sabathia and Mark Teixeira, Cano, all these guys. And then they spent a lot of money. And then when these guys were leaving. Things kind of went in the toilet, and then, you know, now they're trying to bounce back. But, uh, yeah, I think I think they, as good as Messi is, I think they really screwed up with their most recent deal with him. Uh, you said it was like what four years, six hundred fifty million or something. Yeah. Crazy. So so let's talk about the deal because I think this is really significant. His deal, his former deal with Barcelona, was four years, six hundred and seventy-four million. And as a club, I think we talked about how they only made about $700 million per season. Yeah. So they were basically spending a quarter of their yearly revenue just on him, which is, which is absurd. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. When this is – like, it doesn't matter how good he is. This is an organization with hundreds, if not thousands of people involved in it, you know? you got to pay all them too. <laughs> so like, you know, you can't just break the bank on this one guy and granted, I mean, he's an incredible player, probably arguably the best ever. Um, I'm certainly in that camp, but, but you just, you can't, uh, you can't be like Jerry Jones and just write a fat check for, you know, without thinking about how it's going to affect you down the road. Right. And I think that's not only for him. Obviously, he's the prime example with the money. But if you look at Barcelona's spending over the last two years, that's exactly what it is. It's, oh, my God, we're just going to pay a bunch of guys a bunch of weekly wages, like 100,000 in weekly wages. And not, not even just talking about Messi. There are other players on that roster that make that kind of money. And that's how you got yourself in this situation where you lost him in the first place. It wasn't just him. You paid everybody significantly more money than every other club just by them walking through the door. Yeah. Um, so let me ask this question before I move on from this topic. If you had this is this amount of money, the $674 million that he made, Brandon, I'll start with you. 
what would you do with that money? Because <laughs> honestly, that's just insane. I don't know what I would do with that money. Uh, I guess buy a house. Buy a... <laughs> a big house. <laughs> I don't know. Buy a... Buy a moose, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like... You're struggling to even come up with ideas. I wouldn't buy eight. Okay, so if I had that much money, here's what I'm going to do. Ready? I'm going to buy a nice house in Barcelona where I'm playing. I'm going to buy another house in like Italy or Greece or something. Uh, going to buy another one in uh, hell. I'll get one in London. Um, maybe Probably I'll smart. In, maybe I'll get one in Switzerland. You know, where Actually, no. I Yeah, I do know. I'd buy a house. Mountains for skiing. I'd buy a house in New Zealand. I'd buy a house in Seattle. That's I'd buy a house in New York. I'd buy a house in... LA, Boston, LA, Chicago, uh, England, uh, like the Maldives or something. I'd buy my, I'd buy, I'd buy my own, uh, I'd buy my own, um, private airplane. I get just like a personal employee to like be my chef or yeah. my kids or something, or just go get groceries for me. I'd probably like buy, I'd probably like, buy my own movie like a million dollars a year, you know? And even and after buying all that stuff, Robert, I would still have millions. Then I'd donate like uh, about half of the rest to charities. You know, um, I would. You know what I would do? I would. I would, I would be. Um, I would be just enough. I'd be just <laughs> enough of a jerk to see what it was like to be so rich that you can get away with being a jerk. Also, you said, didn't you say tax fraud, Shane? In that sentence, yeah, yeah. You know that both Messi and Ronaldo were both indicted and went yeah. to court for tax fraud. Which is like you're so I was rich. Joking about that, you should but... be able to but, pay I know, your but still. taxes. So that's that ridiculous amount of money and amazingly messy is somehow at Paris Saint Germain. <laughs> um, with Neymar. With Neymar, Jesus. Among um, others. And with Neymar, the fact that I mean he's been with Neymar before, but the fact that he's with him and Mbappe, and then. There are rumors swirling that if Mbappe leaves, they want to pick up Ronaldo too. That'd be nuts. Oh my god. I don't want but I mean it's fun, but I don't know if that's that fun. I don't know. Uh that'd let's be go. like that'd be like the Brooklyn Nets of of the Euro League. Yeah, like Brooklyn <laughs> Nets of, of world football, no question. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the NFL preseason. We are back. How good does it feel to be back? watching Woo. football games again um amazing uh yeah. <laughs> it, it really does feel good to be back brandon i'll start with you and we'll talk about um washington and new england first uh the main thing that we actually came out of this game was the quarterback battle between mac jones and cam newton and you were not impressed with cam last night Brandon, is your mic working? No, I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you were like, it was like. Oh, did, um, it, did it break off? Yeah, a little bit. Um, uh, so I was just talking about Mac Jones and Cam Newton in that battle, and you were not very happy with Cam Newton's performance last night. Yeah, it, uh, his arm to me just didn't look like it got all that much better. I mean, he like last season. I was saying to you, Robert, like, uh, 
he we were joking around about how we were joking around about how like oh after that big run by um their running their third string running back last night I was like oh wow I guess Cam Newton isn't gonna be there I was like Cam Newton was probably like hey that's my job to run the ball <laughs> and you said you you said like something like, oh, he could actually throw the ball last year or something like that. I'm like, not really. He was just a running back. But basically my whole thing with Cam is he's so dependent on being a running quarterback still at this age when he's had all of these surgeries and stuff. And then you watch that game last night. You watch that game last night and and I was stunned. I was stunned last night because I was like, even with Mac Jones, they did this. And I was like, wait, is this a Patriot system thing? Like, yeah, Mac threw some deep balls. Don't get me wrong. And I guess, I mean, it's just the preseason. I'm not going to make too much out of plays in the preseason, but they didn't do many long routes. Like both of them didn't at all. And I was like, okay, if this is how they're going to play offensively. Newton completed. Yeah. Newton completed 57% of his throws on the night. He finished the game four of seven for 49 yards. Jones completed 68% of his passes, finishing 13 for 19 for 87 yards. I mean, yeah, I get it. It's the preseason. It's the first game. They're not going to put Newton in for a long time, you know. But, like, four for seven, that's – that's not great. Shane, what are your reaction to those statistics? Uh, however, I will say I will say this. We'll say this. Um, the O-line for the Patriots didn't exactly impress either. Yeah. Well, consider the defensive line they were going up against. <laughs> <laughs> At least for the first quarter, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, of all the quarterback, not battles, but well, is this a quarterback battle? I don't it know. is. Yeah. I would say 100% it is. Even if they're not going to market it as that with Bill Belichick and all that, it really is. They're watching yeah. this. This one... This one, to me, is maybe the most interesting. Actually, no. Jimmy G and Trey Lance is the most interesting to me. But this one is like a close second because the reason I say that is because these guys are two completely different types of players. I mean, they have nothing in common. Cam is <laughs> uh, much – he's a big, strong, athletic guy, even if he's not as athletic as he maybe used to be, but he's, he still gets around pretty well. Um, and, you know, he just got a big arm, but he's not always that accurate, and I don't think he always makes the best decisions. Mac Jones, on the other hand, is not very athletic, and he doesn't have the strongest arm. He has an okay deep ball, but uh, it's not like the greatest thing you've ever seen. Um, but I think he is smart, calculated as a player, and I think his arm accuracy is really good. So, you know, it, like, it's so hard to, at least for me, when you have all these factors, it's really hard to determine – who you want as your starter. So then I would normally look at, okay, well, experience. Cam is better. 
uh, uh, track record in the NFL. In the last couple of years, Cam has not been great. Mac Jones doesn't even have one, <laughs> you know? So it's just like, I don't, I think the edge really just goes to whoever's going to fit in their system best. And last night, it, it seemed like Mac Jones just a little bit just because he kind of reminds me of Brady not that he's as good as Brady that would be insane um, but you know he's that kind of player and um, I think that's what Belichick likes I think that's why they drafted him and so you know we'll see I think maybe Cam is a starter for the first few weeks and then uh, Mac takes over like in week four or five, maybe after they're beaten humiliatedly by Tampa, <laughs> by Tom Brady. Oh, shoot. That's going to be a great Sunday nighter. I forgot about you that. Know, I, could, I could very much see Cam starting that game, the Patriots getting blown out, Belichick getting pissed that his former quarterback won a Super Bowl last year without him and just beat tar out of him. So he's going to say, all right, this next game is against, I think it's against like Houston or Detroit or somebody really stupid. No offense <laughs> to any fans of those teams. We'll get to um, Detroit later. But so he's going to say, all right, you know what, Mac, we're going to put you in. <clears throat> um, and so then, you know, then, then the rest is history, as they say. Um, I couldn't do a proper Belichick impersonation because I didn't have a pencil in my hair mm-hmm. but, or in my ear. But, you know. <laughs> but anyways. Um. Brandon, I'll go back to you as we go to Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Do you have a feeling that Dwayne Haskins might start this year in Pittsburgh after last night? Uh, it's, it's possible. Um, I think he needs to have another game like he did tonight last night. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would like him to, but I feel like they're just going to have uh, Big Ben start. But, like, as we talked about last night, they have to go up against the Bills week one. That's not yeah. exactly a, a great vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think – Oh, No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I think, like, Even if he's not the better quarterback, I mean, at some point in the year, Big Ben's either going to get hurt or it's going to be like week 16, 17, he's going to be tired and not going to want to play. They're going to give him a week off. And, you know, I mean, it's just the typical shit with him. Like, and so then Dwayne Haskins is going to go in and then whatever. But so, yes, the answer to your question is I, I, I do – I do see him starting at some point, even if it's just for like a game or two. I think Dwayne has been so fun, not only in preseason. We've seen it in the Hall of Fame game. We saw it last night. Uh, He's had an amazing camp. He has been one of the best camp stories, probably the best camp story all season. I mean, think about where he was at in Washington, how we were talking about him even last year. We had him literally in the same conversation as a guy like Josh Rosen. I mean, for different reasons, of course, but to think about that and to see him be 100% committed to football again in this way, 
is amazing. I, I just to see that turnaround is something you don't see from from guys. Shane, you as a as like a QB coach, how much does that mean to you in a locker room to see a guy come in in a bad situation and then and then come into your locker room and just put everything into it? That's really inspiring. I mean, you know, because it's especially with a guy like Haskins who had, you know, he'd kind of been in trouble, I think, in Washington. Um, but you know, I, th- I think he really just needed an organization to. Well, for starters, that's a good fit for him, which I think well, or I, I think Pittsburgh is, and you know, a locker room that, uh, you know, trusts him, believes in him, which it seems like that is the case with uh, with Pittsburgh, you know, and so uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, regardless of how good you are as a player, you as a quarterback, you need to have your locker room. That's really important. And, um, and I think he does, you know, so uh, yeah, this is a great step in the right direction for, for him. And, you know, if he can start playing better too, I mean, Hey, that's a good sign for Pittsburgh as well. Uh, But, you know, we'll just have to see about that. Mm -hmm. Throughout the rest of the weekend, we're going to get an opportunity to see a lot of these rookie quarterbacks, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, we're going to get a chance to watch all of them this week on national TV on NFL Network. Um, so we already have talked about the rookies throughout the offseason. I think another interesting matchup here, especially locally, is the Seahawks going up against the Raiders. I, I think what's going to make this matchup interesting for us uh, nationally, but even locally, um, is this offense. We're, we have been hearing rumors out of camp of how much this offensive has changed and how much Russell has commanded it. Um, Brandon, how much of that do you expect to see? And what are you looking forward to watching with this offense on Saturday against, against Vegas? Oh, I want to see, first of all, I want to see, um, uh, not Chris Carson, but I want to see how, uh, Penny Penny and all all those other guys. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to see how, I especially want to see how Penny plays because he's been out for basically two years. Um, I know Carson is going to be fine because Chris Carson does Chris Carson things. Uh, I am interested in seeing what exactly goes into this new game plan for the offense because Russell's been crowing about it. So obviously he he must like it because he's been talking a big game about it and saying it's great and it's smooth, it goes quick, it's gonna be great. As uh, his ex QB uh, roommate in the QB room for the Seahawks said the other day it probably means that Russell gets the ball a lot. It probably means he's the offense is going to run through him, which is not a bad thing, right? I think we all agree that if the offense goes smoothly and they all get it and they can all run it, it's not a bad thing for the ball to, for the offense to go through Russell as long as it's not him having to force the ball downfield all the time, which I really doubt it's going to be. Um, so I think... I would like to see what I would like to see out of this is for it to be a mix of 
dump off passes, short passes with some medium and with a couple like big play mixed in there. But unlike, as well as like running the ball more, I think it's, I believe it's going to be a lot less of what we're, what we're used to, which is just somebody run down the field really fast and just huck it. Um, but I think what I'm trying to say is if we see something close to the 2013 offense, I think we'll be good. Cause if you remember that 2013 offense was pretty dynamic. I mean, it wasn't like amazing. It wasn't like top of the league, but it was, it was pretty dynamic. Like we got the ball, we moved the ball pretty well. Um, so we'll see. Am I wrong for saying this? I don't think I'm wrong for saying this that if this offense goes as smoothly as we're hearing out of camp, Russell's going to be the runaway MVP. Am yeah, I wrong? Yeah, possibly. I mean, if I think as long as he can stay consistent throughout the year, then yeah, that seems, that seems right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause the thing about, you know, Brandon is right. It, cause it sounds like, um, at least from what I've heard, they're going to run uh, sort of a West coast scheme, which, uh, you the viewer don't know what that means it basically uh means you use linemen to make holes for the running back to you know kind of pick and choose where they're going to go and then for passing you kind of utilize creative routes in short and medium passes not as much deep balls and i think that that is a good thing because uh it, it just suits them really well because their offensive line is more agile than the average offensive line and um you know, they have, even though they upgraded a little bit, I think they do still have some limitations. And so in terms of pass blocking. And so, um, you know, I think not having to go deep all the time is going to help reduce the number of sacks and, um, you know, just make for a more smoothing, smooth pass game, uh, which is what they needed, I think, because, you know, last year it was just like pound the rock down the middle and then throw deep. And that was, and that's kind of been the case for the last couple of years, which, um, you know, I mean, that's fine, but that's just very old school, you know. Um, I think this is a much more modern scheme and I think one that caters to their offense much better. And uh, from what I've also been hearing on the defensive side, Apparently the corners are looking way better than people expected. Uh, I guess Trey Flowers is actually like making great plays <laughs> in camp and in practice. And um, so, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of worried about that, but anyways. They have been the team with the most positives in camp so far this, this off season. I think that shows a lot. Um, yeah, they're up there. Um, all right, let's go to our division previews. We're doing the North divisions this week, and we begin with, I don't know if this is a team we need to talk about much. I think this is the team we've been talking about since the draft with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Regardless of his future and the future of this team, what is the outlook this year? Because this really is a Super Bowl or bust year. Brandon, I'll start with you. Can you, can you repeat that? Um, in terms of the Packers this year, it seems like it's a make or break year. Do you believe the same thing? 
Yeah. Um, well, I would say that I think that this season is it for Rodgers. Um, I think he's out of there after this season. But I think, unfortunately for them, I don't think they have it. They don't have a team built to win the Super Bowl, especially when they have to go against, you know, they have to go against teams like the. Uh, they have to go against teams like the uh, Bucks, the Seahawks, Buccaneers, the Seahawks. There, there's too many to count. Uh, the NFC, 49ers, and and the. Yeah, the Eagles, no. and then <laughs> even if they make it to the Super Bowl, they still have to go against teams from other from the AFC, like the Bills and Chiefs. Chiefs maybe the know. Browns. We'll get to them later. Yeah. yeah, Ravens. If things go well, yeah, I think if there's any team that is a Super Bowl or bust season, it's them, Green Bay Packers, without a doubt, because they have had a top three quarterback in the entire NFL in their building for the last decade and have not won a Super Bowl since then. Oh, it's been, yeah, 2010. So it's been basically a decade. (laughs) Yep. Despite the fact that they have come really close, but they just didn't quite have all the pieces on defense or whatever it is. Ah, you know, but, but we're still a good team. It's like, no, you, I think I also think that this season uh, yeah they're in the Super Bowl bubble I think but they've I don't know they they took a hit at offensive line Um, they lost their good RB2 Uh, defensively I mean They've got one good guy in the secondary now. <laughs> Their defensive line's kind of weak. They're or uh or uh no, yeah. I would say Line, that, yeah. Linebackers are okay. I mean, this is a this is not really a stellar defense by any means. Mm-hmm. And uh it's not like, you know, they have Kansas City's offense on the other side. I mean, yeah, they got the Aaron's and and Devontae, but I mean, I don't know, like it's not it's not that it's not that impressive of a overall offensive unit. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have these stars, but like overall, how's it going to work? I don't know. I mean, yeah, they'll still probably win 12, 13, 14 games, uh, but yeah, I mean, they goal, start the, eh. they start the season pretty pretty easy, you know. Yeah, they, their first seven or eight games, five games, their first five games are pretty. Yeah, seven or eight, like. Because they start with the Saints, and then they play the Lions and the 49ers, then they play the Steelers and the Bengals, and then they have Bears and, and uh, Washington. It's a fairly the easy schedule. It actually uh, it looks yeah. pretty easy. Yeah, I'm not worried about them in the regular season. Really, they're only hard. Is the playoffs. Their, their only tricky games really are the Chiefs or the. I don't know. Yeah. Their schedule doesn't worry you, but playoffs worries you. Yeah. Because then, you know, probably going to run into a Tampa again or uh, maybe a, well, probably not an NFC East team, but, uh, <laughs> but 
you know, like Seattle or San Francisco. I don't think it matters who they run into. I don't think it matters who they run into. They can make the, they can make a wild card, especially this season with the updated schedule. And of course, last season we saw the expanded playoff. It doesn't matter who they run into. I mean, my whole thing with them for the last decade is like, yeah, this is a team that can get to an NFC title game whenever they want to. It seems like, I mean, look at what they've done, but when you get to that game, it can't just be all Aaron Rodgers because then you're, 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 you're bound to have a tough or bad or him having a bad game. And that's honestly what the story has been other than that Super Bowl win. Cause I think he's lost four NFC championship games. Really, I think he should have won two of those four. Yeah. Or not he, but the Packers. Um, because, I mean, realistically, I think it just came down to bad coaching decisions. Uh, being the, the Tampa game and the Seattle game um, back in whatever that was, 2015, 2014. So, um, anyways. I mean, we'll see what happens this year. Things turn out differently, but I'm not, uh, I'm not too confident as of right now. <laughs> yeah, they've lost a lot of pieces on the O-line. I think the main thing that is still frustrating with this roster is the receivers. And it's kind of frustrating yeah. for a different – it's kind of frustrating for a different reason because, like, of course you have Devontae. Look, he's gone next year. I mean, let's be honest. He's probably gone. He's probably a free agent. Um, I, I would he either, say he either goes to the Raiders or wherever Aaron goes. That's my prediction. I, I think those are fair. And then you you bring in Amari Rogers, which I think Amari should have the fast track to be a slot guy for them. But then, so you bring him in. But then Aaron wants Randall Cobb. I mean, you didn't give up much for Randall. You gave up a six round pick, but. The guy's a shell of himself at this point. Yeah, like he's, I don't see the point. Yeah, like the guy's a shell of himself at this point. Like, does it really matter to bring him in? And at, right now, he's listed as their wide receiver too. I, really? Like, I, I just, I think with Randall Cobb, this receiving core, if they're gonna, if they're not gonna put Amari Rogers up here at any point in the season, have any type of significant role. I think that's one thing that's going to push Aaron out again is the receivers because I don't think Randall Cobb's going to do that much for them. Yeah. And then Tanyan's good. I think Tanyan's fantastic. But other than that, yeah, just a mess. AJ Dillon's going to take over those RB2 roles. We'll see. I'm so interested to see what those splits are going to look like. Uh, not only for real life, but for fantasy as well. Uh, they're both going to, it's those splits are going to be so interesting to watch throughout the year, especially if Aaron does, if Aaron Jones does hopefully not, but if he does go down, it's going to be interesting because Dylan, Dylan's a solid back. He's really good. And he just didn't get enough run last year. I think, I think we saw flashes of what he can do, but he could have an opportunity to get a lot more run this year. Other than that though, um, Defensively, we've already spoke about what's your guys' X factors for this team. Is it all Aaron Rodgers, or is there another player you pinpoint? Sorry, what was that? Oh, is, is my mic like not working no, today? 
No, I was talking to somebody. Oh, no, I was asking about your X factors for this team this season. Hmm. Uh, you know, for Green Bay, I mean, yes, I have my concerns about the offense, like I, like I said, but I think what really concerns me about this team is the defense. Because, as I said, I don't feel great about who they have at this point. Um, so, you know, I think for me, I got to – I, I got to say Zadarius Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, I look at – I look at the secondary. I think they're an okay unit. Uh, you know, you got Jairi, who's good. Adrian Amos, he's not bad. Um, but then, you know, I, I think Darius Smith is a really good player who's kind of right in the middle of it that can sort of hold it down and be a pretty versatile player just as an outside linebacker. And uh, I think, you know, I'm going to want to see him to step it up and and uh, really, uh, you know, be a leader and help this defense do well. Mm-hmm. Both the Smiths, but Sedarius as well had a tough, had a pretty tough year last year. Um, but I do expect an uptick from him. Also, with the defensive side of the ball and say Jair Alexander, here's one guy that you're going to have to pay. And I think that that's, um, I think that that's um, pretty important. Like you, you have a guy in a fifth year option deal now. What is the future going to look like for him? And I think that that's interesting to look at because you, I mean, he's going to be amazing this year, but. Long term, what is he going to look like, especially with Aaron Rodgers potentially gone? Yeah. All right, uh, Brandon. What are your thoughts, really quick? Why go check on this? I think my X factor is probably Aaron Rodgers for this year. Yeah. I mean, that's uh... yeah. It's not a bad pick. I mean, it seems like a generic one, but it's. Um... But, you know, you do look at him, like, in those championship games. And even though we point fingers at other people, it's like, well, he could have done better himself, you know. Yeah. But he's back. I'm back. Brandon, who did you say for your X Factor? Rogers. Rogers. I think that's the right call, yeah. Um, let's move on to the – let's see. What is next on our list? It is the Chicago Bears. I think we're all in agreement with this X factor. Uh, you could say Andy Dalton. You definitely could, um, because the reality with with Chicago is that no matter what, unless Fields has a ridiculous preseason, which can totally happen. I mean, we'll watch him tomorrow and see how he plays. That can totally happen. It could change their minds. But right now, Andy is QB one. Obviously, the question is how long. But Justin Fields is the guy that's going to put this team. I honestly feel like this team's a playoff team with fields. Am I wrong? I don't know about that. Um, I think, I think they won't be a joke anymore. I think they're, I think they're competitive, but like, I think the only way right now that the bears are getting into the playoffs is 
I'm looking at a last seed. At least battling for a last seed. Yeah. I just feel like they're going to have to get that well, – that, I just feel like they're going to have to get past the, the Packers, and I just – I don't think they're going to do that this year. Shane, do you feel like it matters if they get past the Packers in the division? I mean, I still think this defense is top five. I still feel that way right now. And if Fields can be, let's say, let's say Justin Herbert good, if that if that is the case, if he does play a good portion of the season, at least they gotta be battling for a final spot. Because here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And here here's my argument. So looking at the NFC, right? There'll be here's how I estimate it. There'll be one team out of the east, two teams out of the west, one, maybe two out of the south, and one out of the north. So that's two, four, six. That leaves one spot left. I think there's only gonna be one. So maybe I okay, maybe I could see I could possibly see the north getting two teams with the Bears being the second team because goodness knows that the East is not getting two. They're not. So I, yeah, you could be right. Cause I think if, if, if two teams are going to come out of the, the uh, South, I mean, out of the North, it's definitely going to be the Bears and the Packers. I mean, heck if the Vikings do it right and the Saints just absolutely tank this year, I don't know. Maybe even the I don't know. The South. I think the South will be interesting because I think, yeah, the Buccaneers won last year, but I still, I don't know. We'll get to I the South back next their, week. I look the back South at their regular. I look back at their regular season last last year, and it was not not great. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to. I think the South is actually a perfect team to end on next week. But Shane, what are your thoughts? Do you see Chicago if Justin Fields is what we would have we would hope and he plays enough games? Do you see it? Do you see no, this no team com- being competitive in the or, or not uh, being competitive in the playoffs, but at least in a significant hunt for the playoffs, potentially making that last seat? I think they absolutely make the playoffs. I mean, look, they made it last year with Mitch Trubisky. Okay, like, <laughs> like you might as well. I mean. Like, like they might as well have made it with my dog as the quarterback. Okay, like, but I'm sorry. That's, I that's giving. I that's giving your dog. That's putting your dog down. Like, I should. I shouldn't speak so. That's being mean to your dog. MVP. Like, I'm. Um, yeah, the, N- the MVP, baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, they made the playoffs last year with that situation. The team is still largely the same. I mean, they still got Allen Robinson, who's a very underrated receiver. Last Montgomery. year for him under contract, by the way, yeah. he's on a franchise tag. And He'll be Montgomery, gone after this year. Also quite underrated. And they got that good defense. Sorry, Shane, we interrupted you there. Go back. <laughs> no, you're good. I um, like they got David Montgomery, who's also very underrated. The defense, I think, is still pretty good. So. I got Marquise Godwin or Goodwin. He has been impressive in camp. So has Damian Will. So has Damian uh, Williams. My bad. They've been so two I mean, very impressive pieces in camp. Like considering all that, and I mean honestly, I think the NFC is not going to be amazing this year. <laughs> I just don't. Um, I mean, I think Tampa's probably going to be good. Green Bay, Seattle, maybe San Francisco if they are healthy. Other than that, I don't. 
I don't expect much from the NFC. So, I mean, yeah, I could definitely see him making it, making the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I think it all depends on on uh, Fields, which is why he's my X factor. Yeah, I think Brandon. Do you agree? I think he's the easy pick here. Uh, I mean, I was gonna go with Cairo Santos, but yeah, I guess. Uh, you know what? That's also not bad. Cairo Santos, he sucks. That's uh, what I'm saying. Like the kicking woes is yeah. just a common thing for Chicago. Yeah, I think either Justin Fields or. I would say the starting wide receivers for the for the Bears just as a package because I think they all kind of go together because I think if they could all click, you know, if Justin Fields ends up playing, then mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. As an up-and-coming guy, I think Darnell Moody had an incredible year last year. Um, he didn't get as much playing time as we probably would have hoped, but he's a guy to watch. I think he could definitely break out on their receiving core. Um. Okay, uh, I think next up is Minnesota. Um, the future of Kirk Cousins is very much right there, right? I think that's really the biggest story. I mean, you bring in Kellen Maude. We haven't even seen much of the Allen, any of the quarterbacks in camp uh, due to COVID issues. But um, other than that, uh, I, I'm starting to feel like this could be Kurt's last year. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I think they overpaid him to begin with. <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, which I don't know. I mean, I really Kirk is weird for me because I feel like, to me, if you look at him statistically speaking, and as an athlete. He is exactly like Derek Carr, which sounds weird, but it's true. Look into it. Anyways, however, when I look at them, I think one of them is way better than the other. I think you know who. And honestly, I don't really know why that is. But I think... Part of the reason is because Kirk has had uh, so much more talent around him in Minnesota between Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs a couple of years back. Let's even talk about that defense that he had there. The defense wasn't half bad. Yeah. And um, I mean, honestly, I think it elevates his stats, makes him look better than he is on paper. But you know, I, I think um, I just don't think Minnesota is a great fit for him uh, because I thought he was pretty good back in Washington, but in Minnesota, I've never really been that convinced by him. So I don't know. I think I think he should definitely move on, but we'll see. He just signed that extension for two years, of course, to help Minnesota with uh, cap issues. I, I, I don't know if you both feel the same way, but the biggest thing I have with any quarterback in the league is, do you have confidence in your starter, right? 
Like, do you even, even if like, like Matt Nagy with Trubisky is a perfect example. He knew his limitations, but even if, even with that, you could see Nagy on the sidelines firmly believing in what he could do for them for all those years. Now, obviously it didn't go as planned, but he's going to be much better in, in Buffalo. I would think, especially with his development, he still had full belief in him is essentially my point. I think the thing with Minnesota Zimmer, his offensive staff has never had a real belief in his ability. I think if you look at, we've saw that game a couple of years ago, we're only through 10 passes. We've had games similar to that. We're only through 10 to 20. Now you bring in Kellen Maud. How does that, I mean, yeah, sure. He's a fourth round guy, but he's a pretty capable guy in the fourth round for a quarterback. He's, he's Dak Prescott esque in that way. in that, in that Mississippi state system that actually produces pretty nice late round guys. We'll see what he does in preseason, but like, there's just not really a lot of votes and confidence from this coaching staff. I think ever since he's got there. Yeah. Except for the big paycheck he got at the beginning. <laughs> right. I mean, other than I still that. can't believe that. <laughs> oh, geez. Brandon, do you feel how I feel with, with Minnesota and his, and the relationship with Kirk? Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with you. I think they haven't shown it's like, it's a, it's a very similar situation to when he was in Washington. It's like, they didn't show him any, like any belief. And then he goes to Minnesota and they do the same thing. Also, we can't win on Monday nights. So only one time. Yeah. Don't they got a few minute editors on their schedule again this year? So that's going to be interesting. Um, so who is your guys' X Factor for Minnesota? Probably Kirk, honestly. Yeah. I think they have all the pieces. I just don't – or most of the pieces. I just don't um, – I don't know. I'm just not that confident in him, but – I think neither is the team. Brandon, your your X factor. Uh, yeah, Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kurt's a great pick. Dalvin Cook is a pretty good pick. You know what? I'm gonna go Patrick Peterson. They picked him up on a one year deal this offseason. I want to see what he can do for that secondary. That secondary has been a constant issue for them um, under Mike Zimmer's tenure. Um, it's going to be super interesting to see if he can improve it with some veteran presence. He's obviously not the same player he once was, um, but the fact of the matter is he's still there. Uh, or the, the fact of the matter is he's there on a really cheap contract. Um, he can bring that presence there uh, that they've actually really needed. And I think it could help them with that back end. Again, that defense isn't half bad, but the secondary has always been a constant issue. We'll finish up with the kneecap team in the Detroit lions. Um, who are currently on TV. Uh, yes, they are. They're currently beat. in a preseason game. They're getting beat 10-3. to 3. Who are they playing again? The Bills. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, while that is happening, as a l- let's talk about the Lions in this context. As a player in that Detroit locker room, you see the comments that Campbell has made since he stepped foot in that, in that stadium in those offices. 
if you are playing for him, how do you feel right now? Like, honestly, how do you feel about his comments? What he's expecting of you as a player? Because it is really weird. If you're a player on that roster, how do you feel right now? Shane, go ahead. Well, first of all, I'm depressed because I'm in Detroit. But second of all, <laughs> <laughs> but, oh god, but uh, no, no, not, no. I mean, nice Cent- Detroit is a very, it's a very nice place. <clears throat> they have, yeah, they have nice neighborhoods out there. Um, but no, I, this this team is just it's just so strange. Like, I don't, I don't know what to make of it because. God, it's like a comedy show, like, <laughs> which is which is not a good thing. Um, Why do you think we've called them the kneecap team? That's not going to stop. We're going to start the season, and that's what we're, we're talking about the lines. That's what we're going to say. Yeah, yeah. I, um, like I, I don't know if um, they don't get a name; they just get the kneecap team. Yeah, because the thing is, like, I don't know if 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 Dan Campbell is approaching it from we're going to be tough and uh, you know, we're not going to stand out to anybody and you're going to do a hundred pushups and come on. Or if he's like hyping them up and being like, all right, come on, we got this. You know what I mean? Um, kind of seems like the former, in which case I'm going to be a little worried if I'm there because uh, I know that as a team, we're not going to live up to the expectations. So uh, yeah, no. or maybe they'll be great. I don't know, but any who's, um, Yeah, I, I don't. I, I ultimately, they're kind of the. There's like three teams in the NFL that I think are going to be really bad this year. One of them is Detroit, another one is the Eagles, and the other one is Houston. Okay, so <laughs> Detroit is the funniest of all them because <laughs> because you got the kneecap guy and the clown of a coach who just says the most bizarre things and all these get and not only that but like it seems like i don't know if you guys saw the video of um of their quarter but not goff but the other guy who was they were watching his wife in the olympics and they were all like really hyped and and i feel like they're building a culture as weird as it is <laughs> but, but anyways and of course there's the eagles who that's just like you said depression uh, literally, the I, I I feel like this team is more depressing. Yeah, maybe just based on. I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt, Shane, but look at this roster. No, I I didn't have any more thoughts actually. <laughs> look, so yeah, you have Goff, but like my biggest thing with Goff is like this is the year for Goff, right? Like he's probably gonna be there for two years as their starter. I I based on nope, his he's a franchise guy, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> That's Campbell. But but again, let, let's think about this realistically, okay? Yeah. Based on his contract, unless they decide to get a quarterback here in the next year once we hit the draft, he's there, he's gonna be their guy. And then I'm like, okay, so sure, he wasn't that great with the Rams. We've talked about that. That's been well documented. But he has two years to change that narrative. And you look at this roster this year. Not helping him. <laughs> it's not helping him at all. Like, if it was any other QB in the league, 
coming in like any other mid-tier guy coming into this situation. Uh, let's use like Jameis Winston as an, I don't know. I'm trying to use an example. Let's look at a guy like Winston, right? If he comes into this situation, you're like, ah, okay, we're not expecting a lot, but we still think you can be a solid starter. I think most quarterbacks at that sort of level would come into this situation and we would all say the same thing. But with Goff, I promise you that in 10 weeks time, including the pre, like literally 10 weeks time, we get to like week seven, week eight. If this team is that bad, we're not going to give Goff the benefit of the doubt. We just can't because of the team he had in LA. We just can't do that. And like, I, I don't, these receivers other than, you know, TJ Hawkinson at tight end and even Darren Fells backing him up, like Pierman could have a chance to break out again. Sure. But the offense is not doing him absolutely any favors. And we're going to look at him harshly this year because we just don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. No, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll be great and he'll look awesome, but I know it's just tough when you lose your your best receiver. I mean, he's got he's got T.J. Hawkinson and uh, uh, DeAndre Swift, who are fine, but um, you know, they didn't really have like a deep guy. <laughs> so um, I don't know. It's tricky. I mean, I think this could go. A couple different ways but i'm not leaning positively at this point so yeah it's just like i again if there was almost any other quarterback in this exact situation i'd be like okay sure but the reality is he came from the rams where he was literally a game away basically i mean he lost he lost the Super Bowl. he's had better teams than this and he didn't even perform at an incredible level now you look at this, it's just, oh, my goodness. Brandon, what are your thoughts on this roster? Go ahead, Shane, finish up your thought, and then I'll let Brandon you know go. I, you know who I think it's really comparable to is Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. I think they're about the same level of player, perhaps elevated by a good coach, good scheme, good team. And when they didn't have that, they looked terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, but, like, other than that, I don't I – don't, I think you're right, like, every other if it was any other quarterback i think besides like those two it would be kind of a different situation yeah brandon any final thoughts on the lines before we head out i think goff is probably the x factor here but either way nope i don't got anything to say i think that no comment is fair because i don't think there's much else this team is just frustrating honestly well it's frustrating and it's bad yeah it's not it's not a good team all right, let's go a lot though. Yeah, I think, I think for sure. I think for sure. If any bad team's going to tell us something, it will be, it will be this team. We already spoke about the Steelers pretty in depth. I think we kind of got that, um, a bit ironed out, especially with the preseason. Um, we can talk about the Ravens as well. I think, you know, it really is all on Lamar. We've, we've talked about Lamar as well. I think pretty in depth, uh, throughout the off season, um, the, I, I think, talk uh, about AFC North. 
did we talk about the north? I don't know. We, we did not. Went, I feel like we already went over the north. It, you know why it feels like we went over the north? Because it feels Maybe like we the went north over the just... north. The north's been in our discussions every week, it feels like. Yeah. And I also think it's because the north never changes. Nothing ever happens in the north. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with the Ravens, I think Hollywood Brown is the guy we're looking at to have an uptick this year with Baltimore. We've already spoken about the Steelers. Yeah. Shane, I mean, Shane like, is, literally. Yeah. Every one of every, every one of these teams has the same X factor for me last year as they have for me this year. Yeah. Joe Burrow for the Bengals, he's still going to be hurt. He's going to get hurt again because they have no O-line. Uh, actually, that's well, not Jamar true Chase. because I, my Jamar terrible Chase. as well. God. Uh, I, I was happy my, about that pick. My X, my X factor for the Steelers is uh, probably uh, the guy from the running back from – uh oh Najee. Alabama. Najee, course, even Najee. though he's a dumbass who thinks he can hurdle someone his first game in the NFL <laughs> and get absolutely owned. Um did you did you see that? He like tried to hurdle a dude in the game last night and got just absolutely just smashed. It's the um, preseason. Relax. I hope Mike Tomlin told him that. From, from, yeah, hopefully he learns from that and so, hopefully someone told him. Look, dude, you're not in college anymore. They're, everyone's bigger, faster, stronger than you. Uh, yeah, he's my X factor. And then I guess this is going to sound crazy to you, but because I always hate on him, but my X factor for the Baltimore is Lamar. I mean, if they're going to give him the money, which they probably will, he might as that well. That will come out in the next two weeks, probably. He, yeah. he might as well. He might as well, you know, try and show them that he's worth the money because, frankly, he hasn't done anything to deserve the hype. I'm sorry. He hasn't. He's been a mediocre player at best. Yes, he took them to the playoffs the first year, but he, after that, what has he done? Just be a running back. He's not a quarterback. <laughs> he doesn't throw the ball well. He runs for a ton of yardage cool good for you maybe you can actually show that you're worth the hype this year and then going on to the browns i don't even know like the browns they had me going last year they had me hook line and sinker and then they just whimper out like a wet fart like they just (laughs) just bad just goodbye okay okay wait, wait wait pause pause time out really quick do you agree with the fact, both of you, in almost all the power rankings I've seen, the Browns have been ranked fourth or fifth? No, they shouldn't be that high because I'm sorry. Maybe last year I would have agreed with that going into the year, but they baited my ass into thinking they were actually competitive and then they lost. This roster is so good. I, yeah, I, it's good, I think but they can't five, finish. I think four or five is right to be honest i think I'm, roster i, I don't right. believe in i i'm sorry i don't i think they have a great roster they have great players they have great chemistry but my big thing is i don't believe um i don't think their quarterback baker i don't think baker i think he's hit his ceiling i don't think he will ever win a super bowl I just don't. I don't think I, he can do it. I'll keep saying this again. I, I, you know, you look at this roster, and I, and I love the roster. 
I just love what Stefanski has done with Baker. And I think Baker has a chance to be a 10 year guy with that roster. But, and I, and I firmly believe that because I think Stefanski is the right coach for this roster, but, but let's see it, you know, let's see you. Yeah. Let's, let's see what, what I, I'm going to try to keep being consistent on this because it's kind of tough to be consistent on this take, but I think that the right end game for Cleveland is AFC title game. I think anything less than that is not going to be successful. I think weirdly, I think weirdly, and tell me if you think I'm wrong. I feel the same way about the Seahawks right now as I do with the Browns. I feel like if they reach their potential, title game i think if they make the super bowl that's like wow you did it you you shot for the moon and you hit it but i feel like both these teams if they're hitting their potential it should be title game like division title game or bust it should i think it should be title game for both of those teams but my big the biggest difference to me between the seahawks and the browns is I don't even think they're at the same level in that with the Seahawks coming into this season, I actually have a level of confidence in what they can do. I can see the Seahawks getting easily into the playoffs with 10, 11, 12 wins without see, much I, art, without much worry, right? But I you look don't at the have Browns, any worry about them making the playoffs. I just think, like, they should – I don't know. Like, I, I – yeah. My thing with the Browns is there is, even with how I feel about Stefanski, when I look at this roster, I think about Stefanski, I think I'm a baker. And I honestly, it, 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 if you are a Browns fan, you should be really excited about the year. But they have a pit in your stomach feeling. They have a pit in your stomach feeling where it's like, you should be confident, but there is a part of you that's like, this could go really bad just because we don't even know we, we like, like, I think Odell is part of this too. I honestly think this team is so much better without Odell Beckham. And the fact that he's going to be back yeah. is actually, I think, harmful to them. I think that's an example of the queasiness that I feel with them. I should be at the same level of confidence with them as I am with the Seahawks, but I just don't have it. Even how I feel about Stefanski and Baker and this offense and this team, which is very positive and very uplifting. If you're a Browns fan, you still have it. You still have that pitch. Shane, do you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, because it's not necessarily, it's not that Odell's bad. He's great, but he's, uh, you know, he's a, uh, let's be honest, in the locker room, he's a liability. He is a distraction. Um, he is arrogant. He's loud. And it seems like Baker feels like he has to throw it to him. So he kind of forces the ball there, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I still think they'll be all right. It's just, um, you know, when I look at this, when I look at this team, I think, quite honestly, I, I think the only other team that has a more well-balanced roster than them is Tampa. And, that's not – I think you're right. However – I think you're right because even Kansas City doesn't even have the kind of defense that Cleveland or Tampa has. Oh, I think 
yeah, I, I think um, Cleveland easily has a better roster than Kansas City. Does that mean that they are going to beat Kansas City or be better than them? Probably not because no. I like Kansas City's coaches more and I think Kansas City has a higher ceiling. But I think if Cleveland can – if Baker and Stefanski can continue to work well together, which they showed glimpses of that last year, they can continue to do well and be consistent and that defense can just do their job. He's got that great offensive line, uh, a great pair of running backs. This team is just great. They have yeah. so – they're so good. They have talent everywhere. So I think if Baker – can just play at a high level. I think this is honestly potentially a Super Bowl team. I really do. Question is, will he? And I don't know. Yeah. You know? And and I, I don't, and I don't yeah. trust him. And I think that's fair, Brandon. I think that's fair. But like, yeah. I mean, I need to see him be like a top. I would say top twelve quarterback. And right now, I'd say he's about fifteen, sixteen. You know so how like, I feel about my take, there, but. Yeah. How I feel about my take is I just feel queasy about it. Yeah. Because I know, I know in my mind it should be correct. Like my mind is like, yes, this, this should be correct. This is a Super Bowl team. This is a, this Baker and Stefanski thing should work for the next decade. 1000%. But then there's the other piece that goes, are we really sure? Yeah. And I just, I hate that because that, that, how I feel in all honesty about this take that I've said for the last six months is I think it is right in my head, but it's, but it feels like it won't be. And I just, I just hate that. That's yeah. my honest feeling about it right now. I mean, I, I think they, I think they'll win the division. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think they they'll win the division. I I think that's easy, but um, it's just a matter of you know, will they be able to uh, take down Chiefs or Bills or whoever come playoff time? Uh, that's that's what I'm really looking at, and so we'll see. I have breaking news. Oh, what? I have major breaking news. According to Max Olson of The Athletic, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 are reportedly engaging in high-level discussions about an alliance, not just scheduling, but potentially broader cooperation going forward. But, like, they wouldn't be, like, all together. Like, they wouldn't be, like, one division, like, one... That's basically what this is saying is that they would be the ACC, the See, Big Ten, and the Pac 12 would be one massive division. I don't like that because you know and what that does? That season, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. You know why I don't like it? Because the C, because the Pac 12 gets dicked over in that situation. You know why? Because both the Big Ten and the, and the ACC both get higher levels of recruiting. Like, and ratings and, and ratings. coverage. We're yeah. already the only thing that I could think would be good is if the by teaming up with the ACC and the Big Ten, they told ESPN and Fox get your head out of the ass and out of your ass and start taking the Pac-12 seriously. Stop putting the Pac-12 at nighttime only. Start giving them actual like I don't know games games in the 
good sl- time slots. I don't want to have to like. I'm terrified of UW going from being actually a good team to maybe I'll change my tune after we go out and smack around Michigan this year. But <laughs> I mean, if we do that, I might go, huh? Maybe we're actually in a position of power. But like, think about this: we've played Ohio State, we played Alabama, we've played. Auburn, we've played all these teams. Yes, we've come close to beating them, but we have yet to get a dominant put us on the map win. Like the last time, again, also, yeah, we like, we, I mean, yeah, you could say, I keep, I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. We should have beat Penn, oh, we should have beat Penn State. If he hadn't stepped out of bounds, we would have won that game. But again, that's another like, three-point loss we're not ready to be putting these big-time teams on our schedule all year long i don't like it i don't know i don't like it from a scheduling point of view i hope it doesn't make it so that we have to put big 10 and majority of big 10 and you know maybe if we maybe if we could make it where it's like we can get rid of the montana states and the whatever in our preseason games and just put our three put a big 10 and a pack a big 10 and an acc team in our three slots every year that would be great and then we could play pack 12 for the rest of the year i'd be down with that because you know what that does that makes that immediately makes the strength of schedule that much stronger right just by playing those teams even if we lose to them to one of them it still makes it so like, hey, we played them hard and we lost, but you know, I just I don't know. I, I I'm sure Oregon's thrilled because Oregon's like we're already gonna beat up on everyone, but it's like Oregon is the irony is Oregon thinks they're so much better than UW, but their schedule their record against the big teams isn't much better. They've lost to Ohio State, they've lost to I think they played Auburn a couple years ago. They lost to Auburn. Played Georgia. Now, of course, the context of this is obviously it the the SEC is going to get Texas and going to get Oklahoma in about two years' time, two, three years' time. Yeah. Obviously, that's the primary context between this. Again, not just scheduling, but broader potential merger between the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. Brandon's already spoken about what this means for the Pac-12. Shane, what do you think this means for the ACC and the Big Ten? I think short-term. I I, I do want to speak about the Pac-12 for just a second because I think short-term, it's bad for them. But long-term, I think it's actually great for the Pac-12. And here's why. Yeah, I do agree with that, just just so you know. Yeah, yeah, no, because what's going to happen is no, this does not mean that the Pac-12 is just going to be playing Ohio State's and Clemson's all year long. They'll have maybe one or two of those games and then play like, you know, some like, I, I don't know, Indiana State or some stupid thing like Basically that. Indiana. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why I said Indiana State. But anyways, <clears throat> um, but for the, I think this is great for all three of them. Because what's going to happen now is instead of just staying in the conference the entire year, the college football audience is going to expand and you're going to see games that you wouldn't normally see. Like 
Washington, Michigan, for instance, you're going to see games like those, you know, on like some November night and you'll think, Oh, this is awesome. I'm going to tune in. Whereas, you know, normally that wouldn't happen because it's just going to be like UW versus Arizona and nobody gives a shit. So I'm not interested. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Like even if it is a good game, like, you know, like it could make, it could make Pac-12 after dark interesting because it's Pac-12 after dark and it's Michigan, Michigan. versus UW under the lights. And it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's yeah. look at this. Or you'll have uh, like, you know, everyone talks about how, Oregon is great or whatever, but no one really watches them because it's Pac-12 and it's late. Yeah. Well, what if they're playing at noon against right. Clemson? I mean, they play noon kicks. Let's say five kicks. Or, That's or what they're doing for is five you know. kicks. Or, or it could be like – I see what you're meaning. It could be a situation where it's actually giving ESPN a reason to to slot the UWs and the Oregons and the USCs into – because, like, the reality Prime is there's only, there's, there's only yeah. four teams in the Pac-12 right now that could legitimately – be given a primetime slot against a team from the from the ACC or the Big Ten. And those right now, for me, are UW, Oregon, USC, maybe UCLA. Yeah. And maybe Utah. Maybe Utah's Stanford. Like, Utah's yeah. on That's the – eh, Stanford, not so much. Utah's, like, on the edge of still being relevant. But that's the thing about UW that's amazed me the last couple years. Yes, we had our dominant year, but you know what we've done? We've stayed relevant in the competitiveness, and I think we've stayed relevant. UW has stayed relevant, especially in recruiting, more than you would have thought. And what I'm interested in seeing is, I think maybe by being like, "Hey, we're teaming up with the Big Ten and the ACC," maybe we, maybe it makes it so that people go, "Huh." we could get more exposure even if we go to UW. We would actually get to right. play and we still those players that are going to the teams that would get more exposure because they're playing but they end up being second or third string, they could go, maybe I go to UW, I get to be a starter, I get exposure still, and I still get and I get to stay home where I really want to be. Exactly. And that's for every Pac twelve um, team. Right. And that's exactly. for every Pac twelve team. I That's why I like this. I think, I think it makes I recruiting like, more balanced. Yeah, and obviously what I like is the idea of it being a team up, not a straight up like eating of the division of the different conferences. It's not like the Pac-12 is going to devour the ACC and the Big Ten and they're all going to become one. So it's going to be one superpower. What and it seems to me against the SEC. Exactly. <laughs> this is what I'm just hearing though. I'm. It's basically them going wink wink nudge nudge hey sec hey acc hey big 10 you see what the sec is doing let's fight them let's team up called middle fingers yeah let's let's, (laughs) let's be a dominant force let's team up and be like you're not the only good football teams around here and i still find it hilarious that texas thinks they're so that they have so much power when they haven't done anything football relevant wise in the last since like what 2005 since they're they just relevant in, in terms Rose of Bowl. coverage. They're just uh, relevant in terms of coverage. But Oklahoma's been good for a long time. Because Matthew McConaughey hypes them up. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Oklahoma all basically, right, for right, some reason, right. just follows what Texas does. Uh, well, Oklahoma's it's, it's interesting. Good. Yeah. yeah. But defensively, defensively, they're going to get tormented in the oh, SEC. Yeah. I like Oklahoma going to the SEC because I think, I think that's going to be just fun offensively. I think – it's going to be the same. But that's the thing. 
I don't know. Does the big I mean, club just like not exist anymore? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. They, they just don't have anybody of interest. But I mean, in five years, yeah. Three, you look at the fact that, I mean, I, I say like, yes, we've lost to these teams, but we're still competitive. Like that game against Auburn, we lost on the goal line to a pretty iffy call, which was, again, supposedly a neutral site game. Neutral site, my ass. It was Auburn playing at the in Atlanta. Really yeah, that's far not away. A, that's not a neutral <laughs> site. I knew right from the beginning of that game that it was not a neutral site when it was like it lit, Auburn gets UW gets the ball for the first time and the crowd's just like, oh! and I'm like, oh boy. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, what does this mean for the SEC? Does the SEC hit the panic button? What the does SEC this mean for- doesn't care. SEC's probably looking at this like, whatever, oh, man. Like, the only thing they're probably thinking about is, oh, great, now we have to deal with three different te- with three different divisions, uh, conferences working together when we want to play Auburn. I mean, Alabama versus Clemson. Uh, Clemson's probably like sweet, just a bu- just more bad teams for us to beat up on. Except, you know, you got to wonder like, how long does Clemson's like lucky streak continue of like they've been they, so good in recruiting though like, oh my god like, here's the thing how they were trash for so long like what is it about clemson that actually makes them Dabo sweeney it's okay, Dabo. Cool. Man. so you want to you want to go play for an asshole cool <laughs> you want to you want to go play for the for the biggest like just Dabo Dabo as trash a- coach Dabo as a pure coach, as a pure coach, okay, is one cool. of the best. But he's like, as a, I, I don't know about you, Shane, but I wouldn't want to play for a guy who's an ass. If, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna play for a guy who's a dick, I'm going to Ed Orgeron. That guy, yeah, exactly. Hilarious. I'm gonna go to an actual like to a hey. team that's actually gonna be like, quad down yeah. out there, jackass. Like, oh, sorry. <clears throat> I, I'm sorry. If I'm gonna play for a dick, I'm gonna be like, hey, Alabama, I'll come be a fourth stringer for you. God. Get that ring. Am I, gonna, like, am I gonna have to put? Am I gonna have to put some explicit content on YouTube for this? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> you, no, you uh, ever seen that anyway. video where Ed Orgeron is like doing an interview on the field, and there's some guys just like goofing around in the yeah. back, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, one second. Goes over there. Hey, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> he just comes. He just like, gets all pissed, and he comes back. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> all right, what's going on? <laughs> And then Maria Taylor's on the side, like, here's this question for you. Boom. Yeah. Um, what it, I believe the NCAA is probably panicking like crazy because this is this does not only affect football. Well, the NCAA affects, sucks. So. They don't do anything for football anyway. So. Yeah, football, basketball, hockey, yeah. whatever it is, this is not too good for them. Um, finally, speaking of Maria Taylor, let's finish off talking about the Olympic coverage that NBC did this year. The ratings went down 40%. But, Brandon, you and I talked about this earlier in the week. This is probably the best coverage they've ever had. Yeah. Well, I think the ratings went down 40% because everybody was just watching it on online. Yeah, like highlights and stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, I thought the coverage was amazing. I thought Tariko had a great set and... I didn't love the Nastia Lucan interview after the Simone Biles stuff. I yeah. thought was actually pretty immature by the network. But other than that, I thought it was pretty I've already told fantastic. you my take on Nastia Lucan, though. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that the gymnastics and the figure skating in terms of 
actual broadcast needs a little bit more energy. But other than that, I still think it's perfectly fine. Like it needs the swimming energy, right? It needs like the rowdy gains kind of energy. Yeah. A bit more. Um, but yeah, I think most of us are watching it online most of the time. Uh, Brandon, you, you watched a lot of Peacock throughout the Olympics. Talk about that coverage because I thought that was great as well. Yeah, uh, Peacock was actually pretty great um, considering I, it, it, I thought – I will say I told you this, Robert, but I thought it was funny that uh, – I thought it was pretty funny that they had uh, a highlight show in the morning with Rich Eisen that covered, and I quote, <clears throat> the events of the day. However, this show took place at 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern. And I think they were trying to make it so that it lined up with the end of the day for sports in Japan. But um, they spoiled all the highlights for the rest of the day. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so so prime time wasn't yeah, even that important. You know, like prime time. I knew I literally figured it out a couple of days in. I was like, huh. I already I was like watching the I was watching the volleyball and I was like, oh I I already know who wins. <laughs> hmm. I see a problem here. Like primetime is their biggest thing, and if you watch Peacock, you almost just ruined all the primetime other than the live events. Pretty much, other than like swimming or or I don't know. I mean, I and did watch like the matches. night. I did watch the nighttime stuff on Peacock because that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like one of the big issues with the Olympics is just the time change amongst different countries. It's especially when you have a lot of viewers like in America and Europe and then, you know, different time zones and whatnot. But. So you feel like the time zones also kind of affected and kind of affected how the coverage was this year been in terms of ratings? Yeah, somewhat. And I think also just not having a, you know, you look at the last few Olympics, summer and winter, right? You have, uh, going back to like, I don't know, 08, right? You have Michael Phelps and then Sean White and then um, Michael Phelps again. And then you kind of had like Ryan Lochte and all these guys too in 2012, which that obviously ended up kind of strange, but... In 16, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, then like in 16, you get Simone Biles. This year, there just wasn't really that, like that person that everybody was getting behind and following. Not that we really, I don't feel like I need that because I don't think it's really good for the athletes, mental health. You know, they've both spoken. We saw that with Simone, of course, I think very vividly. And that was positive. Oh yeah. And, um, and Michael Phelps too, he's really been an advocate for mental health for athletes and how he said that after uh, the 2012 Olympics, he attempted suicide and, um, you know, so it's and that I don't think that's a coincidence, right? I mean, that's a lot of pressure when the whole world is watching and you feel like you have to carry it. But I think that brought in a lot of views. You know, having that because that's what everybody was talking about. 
And but it wasn't year, actually about like, but like, especially with the Simone Biles thing, and that was so powerful and important. But ultimately, I think from an advertising standpoint or whatever else, I think that, I mean, the advertisers said themselves, they were scared when that happened because they realized, oh, there weren't a lot of other yeah. stars. And I'm like, wait, a, but also I'm like, wait a second. We got like a full week of Ariana Titman or Ar- I believe it's Ar- Ariana. I forgot her first name, but Titness and so I apologize, but Titness and Ledecky for like a okay, full week yep. of just like amazing swimming between those two for like a full week. And then Simone even came back and did amazing on the beam. So regardless of that whole thing, which again was so powerful and so important for the entire world and, and sports world to see, she still performed tremendously. And the gymnastics were still super fun to watch on the women's side with Lee winning the gold medal. Yeah. Well, cause that, cause that's, that's the issue is like, even though there were these people, they were going into it, everybody watching her. And then when it's not like, you know, even in past years, you know, Michael Phelps was like the big guy, but there was also Usain Bolt and uh, Gabby Douglas. And so, I mean, there were so many people that we were all looking at and, you know, but this year, like a lot, lot, lot of the focus was just kind of on her. Yeah. And so then when she says, I'm going to step back for a bit, that's all that the narrative was, was about her and the conflict around that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, you know, the conversation wasn't about the people that were still competing and doing really well, like Katie Ledecky, for instance. Um, so, you know, and that's not, I don't say that to take a shot at Simone. I absolutely support what she did. I think no, and, and no, absolutely not. I, I think, yeah. you know, we are all in agreement that that was such a powerful statement. We're just looking at it from an advertiser and, and yeah. a ratings point of view, not from the actual point of view of what she did, which was amazing and incredible and deserves to be applauded in so many different ways, but we're looking at it from an advertiser point of view from a story point of view and right. that wasn't i and i think what you're trying to say is that that actually that actually ended up not being a positive because the media and even nbc themselves and this is why i didn't like the nastia lucan interview was simply because like okay you're bit you, you it's too much like it's too much why is it just on her when we have so many other stuff going on so it's not even exactly at, talking about simone at all and and what it is it's talking about like okay we can't be doing this as a media group i think it was the one biggest mistake nbc did this whole olympics and i think yeah. it was actually more significant looking at the ratings yeah it's kind of interesting that they were, it's like they were trying to use all their got all their people for even the people they use for the winter olympics because i think they brought sean white in for skateboarding they brought tony hawk in primarily but they did yeah but then i i know they used sean white to like talk about like oh the the similarities between skateboarding and snowboarding and also you know they brought in their winter olympic correspondence just because it's winter olympics in six months like right. you know for a fact they were doing that because they were like oh wait we have to somehow promote the fact that we have the winter olympics in six months like but also but also so i think weird to think about it is weird because you know <laughs> that you know in like three months from now they're gonna start being like winter olympics on nbc in february and when like, like before the super bowl and you're like wait what Holy live from beijing yeah nobody should go because they are terrible 
I mean, yeah, what? I don't, I don't know. We, we, we've <laughs> I mean, seen China, that with the government. China, don't attack me. I'm sorry. No, China, I mean, no, no. What, China, well, I think, no. Here's what but... I'll say. Here's what I'll say to that. I think that's going to be really interesting to see how countries react to what's going to happen with the winner. And I think the IOC has a really problem on their hands with that. That's kind of my overall thought on that. But I thought it, you did bring up a great point, Shane, about like, oh, yeah, a lot of the stars were actually on screen instead of on the actual, you know, stage, which kind of wasn't that. I, I think if there's one thing, too, that I can nick, nitpick on is that, OK, well, let's build some more stars. Right. The networks, the media have an ability to do that, especially with the Olympics. Um but they got to do it in a better way, I think, than just storytelling. I think storytelling, the, the, the story packages are something I never liked with the, with the Olympics. I always thought they weren't that great. I uh, like the story features. Uh, I think when they do that during a broadcast of an actual event and say, oh, this person did this and here's why you should follow them. I think that's more impactful than a story piece. Um, but I mean, again, I thought that this coverage was great. But there's still some room for improvement, and I think you need to look at that when you're looking at the ratings. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, because I mean they they seem to talk about the Simone Biles thing for like days after it had happened. I think they should just one it first happened, just kind of announce it, you know, say their piece, and then move on. Show how powerful it is on the first day. Sure, but don't, you- but don't, but don't, but don't do with what feels like an hour long interview after. Yeah, just yeah. and then and then just move on. Say, oh, look, we got this exciting new person doing this thing. Right. Check it out, you know. And then I, I think that also made me, I, I, I think subconsciously as a viewer, and obviously I was gone for for a week, um, during the Olympics. But I think subconsciously as a viewer. I started caring about basketball a lot more. I started caring about the U S women's national team a lot more, which I always have done no matter what Olympics, but I started caring about those were interesting tournaments. Right. I think those were super interesting, but I think, but that's not what they show on primetime, right? They don't show that on primetime normally. And I was more interested in that. And obviously Allison Felix and her incredible achievements in these Olympics. than than most of the stuff that was on primetime otherwise. That's the thing. Everything on primetime, at least that I saw, was swimming, track and diving. There was way too much diving. I'm sorry. There was way too much diving. It was uh, literally half the time I just saw diving. I was like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, cool, but like, you know, aren't there, like, where are, where's the, like, the beach volleyball is on USA. Like the, the soccer is on USA, like volleyball, um, hell shooting. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. Can, can we talk about how great the shooting tournament was this year? It was actually phenomenal. All I mean, of them. There were, there were so many sport rowing. So many was things great. that I didn't even see a glimpse of because all they showed was swimming, diving, track and field. I didn't even see track. Oh, track was on like the whole week, but yeah. Yeah, well. I think, I mean, yeah, sure, sure. And again. It got kind of old. It was like. Right. I think, again, I thought this was the best Olympics for them in terms of coverage in that, not necessarily the events, but in terms of the actual coverage, how it was produced, how it was done from a studio perspective. I think it was phenomenal. But I think also what we're pinpointing about is like the stuff that was on USA, primarily on USA, and there's a reason why, because NBCSN is going to go here in about a year. 
they're putting a lot of the major stuff on USA, but they didn't even promote that stuff as well as they should have. And on, and it made primetime kind of rough this year, I think in that way. And it's like, Oh, the same stuff. But then you go to USA and like, Oh, here's volleyball. Here's soccer. Here's basketball. Here's like, like USA was clearly the best network and they put so much resources in it without even broadcasting that they did, you know? And I think that was kind of a problem. But in the end, I'm glad that they happened, you know? Yeah. After all the, all the delays and trials and (laughs) whatever else. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that does it for today. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Brandon. Good to have some breaking news as well in the middle of our recording. We are done around, what, 6, 10 here? Always makes it more fun. Yeah, I I think it always makes it more fun when we're reacting to stuff that is happening while we are recording. So it is around, like, what, 6 o'clock here on the West Coast, and we started around 4. So a great two-hour show as always. Yep, 6, 10. Um, But... Uh, great to have you all join us. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Brandon. And we'll see you next week. We are so close, so close to the start of the NFL season. Thursday, September 9th, Cowboys Buccaneers. We will be here doing a half an hour post show and every Sunday for what? 24 weeks? Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> uh, 21, 22. Well, know. including playoffs. We will yeah. be here covering all it's that has to do with the NFL. Including playoffs. Yeah, geez, it's going to be a long year. It's going to be really yeah. fun, though. We'll have guests as we go along the year. Uh, Game of Fantasy Football. I'll talk to the crew this weekend about that. Uh, so we will have that show coming up in the next right. couple of weeks. So that is it for this week. We will see you all next week. All right. See ya. See, see you, everybody. All.